Are you sick of hearing you don't have enough experience to get work? Visit iPath.com to get the first part of our auto damage certification for free. Hello and welcome to the Independent Adjuster Podcast by IAPath. My name is Chris Stanley, and we're here to help you figure out how to get work in this industry and ultimately how to claim your life. Hey, IAs, and welcome to the Independent Adjuster Podcast by IAPath. At IAPath, we help you become a successful independent adjuster in 90 days. If you're interested, you can head over to iapath.com. Now, today what I want to talk about is the difference between an adjuster and an appraiser. This question comes up every week without fail, so I figured I'd do a video, and I figured I'd do a podcast about the topic, so that way you guys have the answers that you're thinking of. And a lot of people want to know, hey, should I get an adjuster's license or an appraiser's license if I'm handling auto claims? What's the difference, and how do I know which one to get? And this is all so confusing. So we're going to answer that today, the difference between an adjuster and an appraiser, and help you decide which one you want to become. So here's the question. How do independent adjusters and appraisers like us, who can't hide behind corporate logos, processes, and profits, who are spending our own money and reputation, how do we work in a way that lets us get work, assignments, deployments, and more income without wasting time or money in this world of insurance while we stand out in the crowd? That is the question, and this podcast will help guide you to the answers. My name is Chris Stanley, and this is the Independent Adjuster Podcast. Join myself and other independents on the path to non-corporate success in the insurance industry. We are IAs. Welcome back from the introduction. As we talk about becoming an independent adjuster or an independent appraiser, I like to abbreviate both of them as IA. That's why a lot of times I refer to us as IAs because I'm talking to both independent adjusters and independent appraisers. And on today's episode, we're going to outline exactly for you what those differences are and whether you're an adjuster or an appraiser, there's a company who wants to work with you. That's ACD. ACD handles auto, motorcycle, heavy equipment, RV, even small property claims all across the nation. They're easy to work with, their staff's amazing, their technology's easy to use, and ultimately they want to work with you whether you're newer or whether you're a veteran. If you're interested in working with them and diversifying where your claims come from, email your resume and information over to network at acdcorp.com. That's network at acdcorp.com. So what the is the difference between an adjuster and an appraiser especially in auto this gets really confusing but these are kind of some universal truths starting out and we'll kind of diverge into the auto side because there's a whole lot more relevant information for ias about auto appraisers than there is being a property appraiser um but really first off an appraiser is one that assesses damage and value Okay, so an appraiser who looks at a house is looking at the damage of a house and maybe the value of a house. Same with the car. They're looking at the damage of the car, 
uh, in looking at the value of what the vehicle's worth. An adjuster, on the other hand, is one who's settling the claim, who's processing and settling the claim. And on the auto side of this business, uh, being an auto IA, a lot of times we're operating as an auto appraiser. We're going out inspecting the damages on the vehicle. We're assessing how much the vehicle is worth for the adjuster who's settling the claim on the inside. When you're working for ACD, SCA, Nationwide Appraisals, and other great companies like that, you're operating as an auto damage appraiser, not as an adjuster. And so that means you don't even need a license in some states if you're operating in that capacity because you're not settling the claim. You're not legally binding on that claim. You're not getting a legal binding contract on that claim. That's the inside adjuster's job. And so when you're thinking about, do I want to start as an auto person? Because that's a lot of people who are listening to this podcast and watching our YouTube videos on the Auto IA show, uh, where you can find it at adjustertv.com. Uh, you guys are looking at, should I include auto in my career path? Should I start with auto, at, even if I'm wanting to end up in property, so I can get work now? And so uh, the question comes in, well, there's a difference between an appraiser and adjuster, and what license do I need? The, the next logical question is, what does an appraiser do on a day-to-day -day basis? What does their job look like? I kind of get what an adjuster does, but does an appraiser do the same thing? or kind of what don't they do and what do they do that adjusters don't do. Well, to be clear, adjusters can do an appraiser's job. You can be a licensed adjuster working for Pilot Catastrophe or Worley or, or the best IRS, EA Renfro, and they send you out to do a claim and you're looking at a hail damage vehicle. You are assessing the damage on that vehicle. You are appraising the damage on the vehicle. But then as the adjuster, you're issuing a check. You're doing both roles at that point. So as an independent adjuster, a lot of times we do both. But when you're doing daily auto claims a lot of times, you're just operating in the appraiser capacity. So what is the appraiser doing? If you become an independent auto damage appraiser handling daily claims, what are the tasks that you're going to be doing? Well, number one, you're going to be assessing the damage. You know, we talked about that. But what is assessing the damage look like? If that's one of our primary roles, what does that look like, Chris? What, what do I need to be prepared? What do I need to be trained in to be able to do? Well, first off, to assess damage properly, you need to know how to identify parts. You have to do a proper part identification of the parts that are damaged. Is it the hood that's damaged? Is it the fender? Is it the headlight? Is it the deck lid? Is it the unicide? Is it the rocker panel? Is it the strut? Is it the knuckle? What is damage? Part identification is a big part of being an appraiser. The second thing, and that goes for property as well, right? This goes for the same. If you're out inspecting as an adjuster a house and damage, you need to know how to do part identification. But we're kind of going to tackle it the rest of the time from auto because a lot of times we're operating just as an appraiser on the auto side. Um, the second thing you need to know how to do is now once you've identified a damaged part, is to know what we have to do with that part. What are they going to have to do to that part? The headlight, it's cracked. Can it be repaired or is it going to be replaced? These are called repair operations. What are the repair operations that have to be done to that part for you to write a solid estimate? Repair operations are a huge part of assessing damage. Now, once you've decided what part is damaged, 
and what the repair operation is, you got to decide is there any blending or painting that needs to be done to that panel or any adjacent panels. So you've got to know what's going on with the paint. How, how is the shop going to have to paint this? How is the shop going to have to fix this? Is it going to include any paint? Is it going to include any blending, which is kind of paint matching to adjacent panels? And know the rules behind that. So we're, we're doing part identification, we're doing the repair operations for those parts, and then we're deciding what kind of painting has to go on, and that's what we're putting on the estimate. Then the next step you gotta be able to do is you gotta be able to input that into an estimating software. An industry-leading one, typically that's Auditex or CCC1. Right now, CCC1 is kind of leading the pack in the industry, but either one, you have to know what's the part what repair operation needs to be done to the part and what blends and refinishes and other operations need to be done that on this vehicle that's going to get fixed. You need to know that so then you can input it into the estimating software properly. And then that means you need to know how to navigate the estimating software. Okay, so that's kind of the part, uh, I'm sorry, that's the kind of the assessing damage part. That's how we get to a dollar amount. That's how we know it's $7,732.18 worth of damage to the BMW is we identified the part, identified the repair operations that are needed for each of the damaged parts. We identified other operations like blend, refinish, R&I, sublet repair, things of that nature that need to be done to the vehicle to get fixed properly. But now the second part of an appraiser's job other than part, um, other than damage assessment is determining value. So how do we do the, the how do we determine the value of a vehicle that we're looking at? Is it before it was wrecked? Is it after it was wrecked? Well, here's the deal. Number one thing to remember is you're determining the value in the condition of the vehicle prior to the wreck best you can. Sometimes that's hard in a total, uh, total fire burn or a rollover vehicle, but our job is to assess what we think the vehicle is like before the wreck when determining value. So knowing that, we got to think about what determines value on a vehicle. What does determine value? Well, first off, it's kind of the obvious. What is the year, the make, the model, and the addition? So that is it a 1998 Toyota Camry LE or LX? Is it a 2009 Chevy Suburban? Is it got an LX or does it have an XLT? What is the addition in addition to the year make model? The next thing we have to determine that goes into determining value is how many miles are on the vehicle. Is that lower or higher than the typical amount of mileage that this year make model and addition typically has? What options does this Suburban have? Does it have power windows, power locks? Does it have the sky view roof or does it just have a sunroof or does it have no glass in the roof. Determining options greatly affects the vehicle's value. If you say it doesn't have home link and it does, you might be robbing the owner of $500. Or if you put it does have home link because you don't know what it is and you don't want to not click it and it doesn't, you might be robbing the insurance company of $500 because you're valuing the vehicle improperly as an appraiser. After you figure out the you know the year make model, addition, the mileage, the options, you also have to rate the condition. And this is a little bit more difficult depending on what the state of the vehicle is now. 
but your job is to determine what the condition was in your opinion prior to the loss prior to the new damage so don't be taking that whole scrape down the left side into consideration when rating the body of the vehicle you have to look at things like well what condition is the driver's seat in does it have a bunch of rips that have been here for years or does it look like grandma kept this in the garage uh, is it rusted on the outside or is it all just fresh damage from this loss things like that go into getting the condition but you, you determine the year, make, model, addition, the mileage, the options, and then the condition of the different parts of the vehicle, you're going to be able to properly get a value for that. We do that with a few different tools. Once you know all that information, um, these are the different things you're going to use. You're going to use NADA, um, which is an online database of vehicle values based on zip code, options, things of that nature, and Kelly Blue Book. Kelly Blue Book is more for... Uh, vehicle owners selling to each other. NADA is more used in our industry as like proof of what the vehicle's roughly worth is the NADA value. Now, the thing about NADA and Kelly Blue Book is they are not super specific to that exact vehicle and zip code. Although you put some of that information in, it's not going like past sales history for the last 30 days. And so there's a few tools that we use as uh, very frequently in our industry that the insurance company requests from us. After we have all that information, they say, hey, we need you to get a CCC or auto source valuation, or some people ask for auto trader ads. So what would auto trader ads look like? That's where you go to three online listings of that 98 Camry that's just got total lost, and now you're trying to determine the value for it. You go look up similar 98 Camrys with similar mileage and print those off and say, hey, here's three that are very similar. Um, and look, they're all roughly about $3,000. So that's roughly the value of the vehicle. But if we want to get really specific, we got to go to the CCC auto source valuation. So CCC, the software company, also runs these valuations on vehicles. Auto source, the maker of Autotex, runs values. Mitchell has their own there's another one called DCI. There's these different forms we fill out. And what these forms are doing is cataloging all that information we gathered from the year, make, model, trim, addition, the mileage, the options, the condition, and submits it to a company that keeps records of all the sales of vehicles that have been going on in, for a period of time in that region. So it gets very specific to that exact vehicle. What is Jane Doe's vehicle worth in Denver as a Subaru? Because let me tell you, a Subaru is worth more in Colorado than it is in North Carolina. In North Carolina, we typically don't care about Subarus that much. But this is all hypothetical, by the way. I might be completely wrong. But to me, a Subaru is not as valuable in North Carolina as it is in Denver. In Denver, a Subaru is probably more valuable because it's four-wheel drive. And there's snow. And they don't want a four-wheel drive big car. They want a small car with four-wheel drive so Subarus are way more popular in Denver than they are in North Carolina so maybe the vehicle's worth two thousand dollars more there and they're selling like hotcakes because it's snowing but in North Carolina it's like doesn't hold the value and so you'd get two thousand dollars less CCC and AutoSource and all those valuation companies are there to help the insurance companies and owners figure out what the vehicle value is worth on the market right now versus historically they're looking at it trying to get it in a real-time value now there's lots of disagreements 
on, oh, whether it's accurate or whatever, that's not our job. Our job is to do what we're asked to do, and this is it. Determine the year, make, model, and addition. Determine the mileage, the options, the condition, and pull all that together, well, you, whether using NADA or Kelly Blue Book, whether using auto trader ads, or whether using the CCC or auto source valuations, and help the insurance company determine what that vehicle's worth so they can go offer a settlement to the owner for the vehicle. So that's how we help determine value as an appraiser. So remember, as a recap, as an appraiser, you're assessing damage through part identification, operations, uh, repair operations, through blend and refinish and all the different things that have to be done to that vehicle to get fixed and putting it in an estimating software. The second part of our job comes in when it might be a total loss and we have to determine what the value of the vehicle is by determining all those different options, the year, make, model, then, the condition, and filling out different forms or gathering different information. That's what an appraiser does. An adjuster is the one then going and offering a check to the owner, settling uh, with that owner, getting an agreement for the claim and closing that claim out. That's what an adjuster does on property or auto. They're the ones closing the claim and in charge of that file and legally responsible for that payment to the owner. An appraiser is just about damage and value. An adjuster is about closing the claim. I hope that helps clear up what the difference between, especially an auto adjuster and an auto appraiser is and what they do. If you have any more questions, feel free to email me, chris at iapath.com. That's chris at iapath.com. And I look forward to talking to you guys next week. If you are looking to get started as an auto damage appraiser, an auto adjuster, or even a property adjuster, head over to iapath.com and click the how to find work button. Because what that's gonna do is take you to my book, the Independent Adjuster's Playbook, where you can download it for free. Now that is not some throwaway book that I put together in an afternoon that took me months to put together, and it's actually like 40,000 words long, and it answers the question, how do you become a successful independent adjuster? Step by step, whether it's auto, property, or catastrophic claims, that's gonna give you the answers that you're looking for, and you can get it for free at iepath.com. All right, until next week, keep walking your path and claiming your life. And thank you so much for listening to the Independent Adjuster Podcast. Are you dreaming of a career in auto damage, but find yourself not meeting the experience requirements? You can try the first part of our seven part auto damage certification for free. This allows you to dive deep into auto damage training with no strings attached. And if you love it, you can continue on and purchase the full program. With this certification, you gain not just in-depth knowledge and skills, but also an all-access pass to our exclusive community, a full year of mentorship, and yes, get the two to five year experience requirement waived with over 40 firms. 
your future in auto damage begins today. Visit iPath.com to start your free trial and discover where iPath can take you. iPath. Claim your life.